This episode is brought to you by Zeratech Software Development. Are you a company whose commitment to excellence demands effective software tools? Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help build or enhance your technological systems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. You can find them at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Hey guys, today I sat down and talked to John D. John D is a meteorologist. It was so cool to hear how he got into that. Like a lot of these podcasts, just happenstance. He took a class to fill a void, essentially. I mean, he had been somewhat interested in weather at before that, but took that class to fill a void and just was instantly enamored with it. And that's led to this lifetime of meteorology. So I really enjoyed this. I hope you guys do as well. Welcome to the Obsessed Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. John, thanks for coming in today. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, we were just before we got on, we were talking about how you ended up in the UP. You thought it was going to be a maybe like a retirement thing, but can you get back to that story? Or actually, I should take you even further back. How did you find out the meteorology world? Where did that initially begin oh for you? Oh boy, yeah, that's an interesting one in itself. Um, I am uh, not afraid to admit that I wasn't the world's best student. Um, school just I didn't find interesting. Um, for the most part, okay. I had some classes that I liked. But yeah, for the most part, it just was, it seemed like, you know, treadmill and not my thing. I mm-hmm. wasn't afraid to do work. I wasn't, uh, you know, afraid to learn things. I think it was just the whole process. But long story short, I ended up at the University of Wyoming um, for my first year in college. Um, they were one of the universities that accepted me mm-hmm. um and i was just uh you know like a general admission i had no i was actually i think maybe pre-forestry because okay. i had some thoughts of um you know doing forestry work um and um second semester uh well i was meeting with my guidance counselor to set up my second semester and uh, I had an elective that I had to fill in, and we were hunting and pecking and going through the list, and I see meteorology. Hmm. And I think, oh, well, this is, I've always loved the weather. It's fascinated me. Um, uh, but the guidance counselor goes, you know what, though? That is a dual-level course. It's only for seniors and grad students. Huh. And I'm like, uh, but she's pretty cool. She goes, hey you know what? What the heck? I'll sign you up. If it's too much, you can just drop out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, sounds good to me. And so I took the, well, I, you know, signed up for the class. I got the textbook. Before the second semester even started, I had read the textbook cover to cover. Right. I mean, I could not, I could not get, put it down. You right. know, I couldn't get enough information. <laughs> so I was pumped for class, you know, and I loved the class. He was an awesome instructor. I did great. In fact, after the, what he would do is he would throw, you know, general questions in there, and then he'd have 
one or two questions that he didn't cover in class. Okay. And then he had some extra credit ones to kind of fill in. So somebody could still get like a hundred mm-hmm. if they didn't get those other two. Um, well, I got them all right. Right. So it was over a hundred. No, like I was getting 110% on that first. <laughs> he, he writes a note on the test. Come see me after class. And I'm like, all right. And I, I really wasn't, you know, I'm honest as the day is long and I wasn't, I didn't know what it was about. Right. And he sits me down in his office and he says, okay, well, where'd you get the answers to the test? And I'm like, huh? And he's like, you got a hundred, you got them all right. Right. You know, nobody's ever done that ever. Huh. And I'm like, well, no, I just, I didn't cheat. I just love this. I can't get enough of him to explain to him how I read the textbook cover to cover and this and that. And his eyes light up and he's just like, oh boy, I found me a, you know. But the problem was the University of Wyoming did not offer meteorology in undergrad. Right. Only okay. grad. Huh. So he says, well, you know, and in my talking, I had told him how I was not a good student. I don't like school. I, you know, and he says, well... You know, we only have it in in um, graduate level, but you stay here and you could get like a degree in math or physics. And I'm just like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. back up. Remember that part I told you how I hate school. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm I'm in this for the for the bachelor's degree, and then uh, you know, I'm I'm going. Right. So he actually helped me out quite a bit um, in you know finding some other schools. But in the meantime, he kind of took me under his wing too. Um, he allowed me to sit in on some grad level classes, which most of them went over my head, but some of them didn't. One of them was uh, like a synoptic meteorology where you put together forecasts. Mm-hmm. And each week, uh, uh, you know, one of your classmates puts together a forecast. So he and I had a week that we did it and really, really loved it. But, you know, um, I had to move on. I ended up at Purdue University. Mm-hmm. And um, slothered my way through that because it's basically an engineering degree. Okay. Um, which means tons of math and more math and more math and some physics and stuff like that. And so I got in way over my head on the math and physics part, um, but loved the meteorology. I graduated by the grace of God and then... Uh, right after graduation, um, got word of a brokerage firm that handled commodities down at the Board of Trade in Chicago um, was hiring uh, or were looking for a meteorologist. Mm-hmm. So I went and interviewed with them. It went smashingly well. This was like in early June. And they said, the only problem is we're so busy right now in the summer. Um you know, which is when we would be needing you the most, but we're just so busy, we can't put in the time to train you and everything like that. Come back in September, and you know, we'll we'll get you get you going. Mm-hmm. And I found that odd, um, and I wonder now if he was just protecting me because about a month later the company had its own little Enron meltdown. Mm. So um, <laughs> I was back to looking for a job. And um, just couldn't really find anything that fit what I wanted to do. Yeah. And then I saw what other 
companies or persons were doing um, in that field, ag meteorology for the commodity industry. And I'm like, I don't need to work for anybody. I can do this myself. Right. So I started up my own little company, you know, um, and for about, I don't know, four or five months, just gave the stuff away for free. Yeah. To anybody that was interested in taking it and then would approach them about, uh, um, you know, uh, a contract and um, was doing pretty good. And then um, got approached by one of my customers. They wanted the exclusive rights to okay. what I said. Huh. So uh, I don't like sales. Um, and so I was like, okay. I can make a living doing meteorology. I don't have to sell. So I jumped on that and, yeah. and did that. And then about nine years down the road, they didn't want to have the exclusive rights. Basically, they were selling their company and mm -hmm. they kind of wanted to trim, make the, their books look as uh, fresh as possible, uh, sure. snappy as possible. So they kept me, kept my business, you know, as me as meteorologist, but um, not the exclusive rights. So they didn't pay me as much. I went back and found enough customers. And, um, and in the meantime, uh, in 1991, um, I had, uh, you know, basically right when I was starting my company, um, or before I even started it, I, mm. I came up here to go snowmobiling with my uh, older brother. Right. And fell in love with the place immediately. Yeah. You know, it was not just the climate and the amount of snow. It was the people. It was the everything. It was, it felt more like home than the place I had lived for 21 years of my life. Um, it was just hard to explain. Uh but I knew that one day I would live here. I just thought it might not happen until I retired. Yeah. Eventually, I think I want to get back to that Q and account. I mean, how you ended up in this area, but that's a pretty crazy story. How you started off saying you just needed to fill an elective and you found that meteorology class. How crazy. And you didn't had no idea up to that point that you had yeah. that kind of interest in it. I, I know it sounds corny, but the only way I can explain it, it was some kind of a, destiny yeah. or divine interference or something because yeah i wasn't a good student i mean like i say i was not afraid of work i was brought up to be a hard worker mm -hmm. um school just to me is a treadmill right you know i i would much rather take a walk down the road than stand on a treadmill right, right. um and the way everything aligned and the way everything happened and i had to make some tough choices, you know? Um, but I fought it out and, and yeah, it's, it's been almost like a dream come true. Yeah. How did you end up out in the university of Wyoming? Was that uh, a fluke? It's or what? true. They were one of the few universities that accepted me. Okay. And, and I knew I didn't want to go like where all my other high school buddies, I know that sounds strange, mm -hmm. but I I really wanted to like cut loose from from my life in Park Ridge, Illinois. Mm -hmm. I wanted to just like start fresh, if sure. it makes sense. And so, um, and you know, I loved the mountains. Thing is, is 
University of Wyoming is in Laramie, mm -hmm. and it's in a big valley. So you're not really in the mountains. You're close enough. I mean, drive a half hour west, you're in the snowy range, and that's as mountainous as, as it gets in Wyoming. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's just it just crazy. sounded like an adventure, and I could have an adventure and go to school at the same time. Let's do it. Yeah. Did it feel that, the adventure side of you? I love the West. That's why I'm asking. Um, yeah, I think it did. Okay. I think it really did because, I mean, I was on my own, you know. I went out there not knowing a soul. Right. Um, made great friends. There's super friendly folks in Wyoming. As down to earth, you know, as Keweenaw. Yeah. And had a blast. Yeah. I, if I could have stayed there and gotten my graduate degree, I would have... Yeah, there would have been no hesitation whatsoever. Right. And but but truly, the meteorology class, that was equally as likely as any other class, right? Astronomy, something else. I mean, it's just literally filling a gap. It was. Well, I mean, I always was fascinated by the weather. Okay. You know, I mean, everybody, every little kid likes a snowstorm and stuff, and a lot of them, well, to get school off. Well, for me, it was deeper than that. It just, you know, it was really a true love of the weather and meteorology. What I didn't know is that it would turn into a passion sure. once I learned more. And the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn. And it was like, I can't learn enough. Right. So, but, and then you said you opened that textbook and you read it yeah. overnight, not overnight, but very quickly. Yeah. What about that? I mean, same thing. You just opened up a world you didn't know existed or, or how, do you know why that gripped you well, so much? Well, I opened up a world that was... um known to me very vaguely okay and then all of a sudden it's like you're putting pieces of the puzzle together and yeah that's why that happens that's why that happens and you know you need this and that and it was just like this is so cool and i you know what was really i think the perfect match was the fact that i loved it but yet I was also good at it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love hockey, but I started late and was never good. Yeah. You know, um, and probably some other things in life I can't think of right now. But, you know, I, with that, it was just like, there is nothing that is going to stop me from becoming a meteorologist. And believe me, Purdue tried. <laughs> right, right. So, but still it gripped you, whereas other things didn't grip you and you were great at it, whereas yeah. you weren't great at the other things. Was it just because you're so engaged and so enthusiastic about I think it? that was so, a big part. Yep. <clears throat> so it wasn't like the other areas, you weren't intelligent enough for them. You just, you didn't have the same initiative. Right. There was no, there was no reason. Yeah. There was no desire to, to, to work hard at those. I mean, physics I thought was pretty cool. But then it gets into stuff that you're just like, well, now I think I'm starting to feel like I'm on a treadmill. Yeah. Like I'm just learning it to learn it. You right. know, I'm not going to remember this five years from now or something yeah. like that, unless I'm a physicist. Right. Um, but with meteorology, yeah, it just, anything I had to learn to enhance my knowledge of meteorology, I was all, all over it, right. all over it. Yeah. No, that, that, that's the epitome of what this is all about, right? This podcast, the obsessed podcast, you're into it, but I'm just curious because why does that grip you? Cause the other people that were in your class probably didn't have, or some of them probably did, but most of them probably didn't have the same reaction to that class that you had. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I think they, I don't think the same, 
Yeah, especially at Wyoming. Right. Yeah, no, because it, it was like a, you know, like the rocks for jocks. Sure. I sat in the last row and of class just because I think when I got there, that was the only seat open or something. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the row was filled with football players. Right. So, um, yeah, it was it, for the rest of the, almost everybody else in that class, it was an elective to just, you know, f- fill a spot. Yeah. But for me, all of a sudden, it, it went from an elective to fill a spot the first day to this is my life. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. So, yeah, that's just crazy because you said you were always engaged and interested in the weather even even before that. Mm-hmm. Did you have a like even a thought in your mind as to why that was or what about it engaged no, you? No, and I never even thought of becoming a meteorologist. Right. Because I think for one thing, at that time, the prospects for jobs were very slim outside of like the media. Okay. And I didn't want to be one of those TV meteorologists right. just because I could tell that they were more song and dance than they were pure meteorology. Sure. Yeah. Um, most of them anyway. Yeah. So I was like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to be able to be truthful, knowledgeable, you know, and I think that's what I've done up here is if I don't know, I'm going to say it. Right. Because why lie? Yeah. You know, if somebody says, hey, what's it going to be like on Saturday? Well, I don't know. It's a long way out. Right. Right now, these are this is what the models are saying. But by golly, it could be totally opposite. So don't, you know, take that with a grain of salt right now. I think, mm-hmm. I think people like that honesty um, to know, especially like the brokers, because right. they're dealing with millions of dollars. And they want to know what I have a high degree in confidence of and not a high degree. Right. You know, so that they can hedge what they're doing as well. Sure. Right. So, no, uh, this, you're fit, you're the epitome of what this podcast is about. But it, to me, it's so cool the, the birth story, right? How did it begin for you? Obviously, where it got to you today is super cool. But that one little moment is just crazy. And then also thinking about how did that change you internally? Like, did you, once you realize, okay, this is my life, I'm really good at this. Did it change how you felt about yourself? Were you more confident in yourself as a student, as a person? Or, you know what I mean? Does it, did you see a shift in pre-John in that class and post? Yeah, but I don't think it was like a confidence in myself. I think okay. it was a confidence in my destiny. Okay. Like I knew what I was going to be right. when I graduated. I didn't know how I was going to exactly apply it. But between when I, like, say, high school years to when I graduated, just that time frame, you know, the amount of persons or companies um, seeing the benefits of having a meteorologist started to open up. I was kind mm-hmm. of right on the cusp of 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 that mm-hmm. of of companies, you know, like e- even um big transportation trucking companies and stuff um will have uh, a meteorology team because right. they don't want to send their vehicles into a storm, you know, if they can send around them. Obviously the airlines do. Right. And they did before, mm-hmm. and that was a thought I had. Um, but I kind of wanted to stay, it was, it was weird because 
you know, I had my adventure in Wyoming, and then Purdue was about three hours away from Chicago, or, yeah, Chicago area where mm-hmm. I grew up. Um, but then for some reason, after I graduated, I kind of wanted to get back to Chicago. I think um, maybe I felt just roots were there, and I was a little bit more stable mm-hmm. because I knew the area, um, and I could I could kind of get get rid of that uncertainty. Mm-hmm or uncomfortableness and focus on my career. Um, and I, I think it worked because then, like I say, nine years later, I, I was more than ready to fly the coop, but yeah. I did not want to stop being a meteorologist. Right, right. Even though I'd push a broom up here, um, then make six figures in Chicago. Any sure. Day. Yeah. yeah. So I do want to, I want to save that for a bit here. I still want to, that, that, that's so powerful, that part of all that, that, <laughs> sure. that coming up, but thinking about that, you said the destiny portion, uh, or the, that you th- felt it was destiny. Is it, do you feel like that about a lot of things about life? And then I guess I'm tying that into at the time, was it pretty difficult to become a meteorologist and have a successful career at that? I'm not familiar enough with the field. It, it was difficult for me because like I say, I was not, a good student. I did not have good study habits. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was not, not one of those students who would come home from class and right away crack open the books and get on it. Mm-hmm. I was more interested. I don't, it wasn't partying. It was yeah. just having fun with my buddies. Right. Really? Yeah. You know, for some reason, I just, and I, and I think because deep down, somehow I knew that once I graduated, whether I graduated with honors or by the skin of my pants, mm-hmm. um, I was going to be all right. Right. I don't know why. I just had that strong inclination. And so, um, but I still had to fight tooth and nail just to get just to get by mm-hmm. i mean really but the interesting thing is is you know i know some of the people that i graduated with in my meteorology department and curriculum because it wasn't big you know there's probably 20 25 of us in the whole graduating class out of i don't know how many thousands 17,000 graduating at Purdue at the time, mm-hmm. something like that. So it wasn't a big class, but right. I, I know that, um, you know, many of them did not even go on to be meteorologists. Yeah, They just, I don't know, you know, uh, and some of them did. And some, one guy, in fact, the guy that I was like uh, probably best friends with went on to be a very successful um, media. I, I, I turned on like Fox News one time on a weekend, and there he is right. filling in. He had the main, he was the main meteorologist in Boston yeah. for the Fox Channel, and he, he, you know, he filled in for the weekend. I'm like, buzz. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there you are. Right. Way to go. I felt so great for him. Yeah. You know, I just I felt so happy for him that he had. That he had followed his dreams too. Right, right. No, because the part of what, I, what I'm asking, the like almost like a statistics, what are the odds that you would have had the career that you had today, right? You could probably oh. look back and say, 
If I had been betting on myself, right. you know, I mean, I shouldn't say if I had been betting on myself, but if nope. if anybody if anybody with any kind of knowledge of my educational background and stuff had seen me like first year at Purdue. They said, this guy's going to flunk out of Purdue <laughs> by his second semester. Right. So that's the power. That's what I'm trying And you put that well. It's like almost like on paper, you're, you are, you were not going to make it to where you're at today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But through like, a, is it a fire in your belly or destiny or whatever else you scratch tooth and nail? And yeah, I don't know. That, I, that's something, yeah. something's I, cool there. I'm a firm believer that if you set your mind to it, you can get it done. Right. Now, it may be the hardest thing you've ever had to do in your entire life. Mm-hmm. There may th- be things that you think might almost literally kill you. Um, not in my case. Right. But, you know, if you really, really, it's almost like you put the blinders on and you just go, I'm going to do that. Right. That is who I'm going to be. You can do it. Right. Forrester Research interviewed 206 senior technology leaders in major organizations responsible for software development sourcing. 63% said their software development service partners do not have a full understanding of their end customer. If you're dead serious about moving faster and getting more done, Zeratech Software Development can help you move forward with confidence. Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help solve your problems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. As they align with their clients, they use a proven method to understand the scope of the problem and help demystify the steps to make it go away. They will deliver the software solution you need, and they do it with the integrity that you'd expect from a family-owned business in the heartland of America. Schedule a call with the team at Zeratech today at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. But you were fortunate enough, a lot of people, well, I guess I'm, I'm curious, I was just going to say that a lot of people don't have what you have where you were that excited and that passionate about something, but I don't know if that's the case. Is it that they truly do not have the same thing or they're, it's scary to admit to themselves that they have the same thing or what do you think? I think it's scary. Okay. And I think that part of it is money too. Sure. You know, somebody wants to, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a career where you just, you know, you you just top out at a very low income. Right. And they see that and they go, I, you know, I got to make more money than that. Yeah. Well, the truth is up to you. <laughs> you know, is, is, is money that important? Right. Or is just loving your job? There were very few days, very, I probably can count them on one hand, where I came home and I'm just like, oh, you know, this was a really, really bad day. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know if, I mean, I had an experience where I was like, oh, but even then I, I wanted to keep going. <laughs> yeah. You just knew at that moment it was tough. Yeah. I'll tell you yeah. the story real quick. Um, The company that hired me to be their exclusive guy was owned by probably the best ag commodity trader in the world made more money than you and I could ever dream of totally down to earth guy though this comes from uh 
Western Illinois farm farm boy. Mm-hmm. Well, he had a seventy foot ocean going hatteras that he would go and go sail fishing and uh, for like down in the Caribbean or Florida and stuff. Kept it in key in 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 the keys, and he was going. He stopped by on like third. No, he stopped by like on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Told me he was going to the Bahamas to go fishing. And, you know, what's, is everything okay with the weather in the tropics? And I told him I'd get, get on it and let him know. So I looked up and there was this minuscule disturbance out in the Atlantic. And I mean, I'm not a tropical meteorologist, but I could see that it was just like a blob of thunderstorms. Even the National Hurricane Center wasn't making much mention of it all. It was supposed to drift and then dissipate, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I told him that. Turn on the news Sunday morning to see the Bahamas getting crushed by Hurricane Andrew. Hmm. And all I thought was, I don't have a job anymore. Right. So I went, I sheepishly went into work on Monday, and here he comes, bounding in. He was like, I was like first or second every morning, and he was usually third in. And he'd walk right by my old office and he walked in and, uh, you know, he didn't stop and say hi. And I didn't even really look up. You know, I saw him out of the corner of my eye. But then um, I one of the jobs I did was give a, a daily briefing to him and all these brokers in this giant room they called the war room. I gave that. I went back to my desk. I waited for the war room to clear out. And then he's basically the only one in it when the trading's going on. I stopped in and I apologized and he's like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, he goes, when I asked you, that's what the knowledge was. Hmm. He goes, we got wind of it. We battened down the boat, really a ship mm-hmm. um, and or yacht. He goes, but boy, you should have seen the dummies that didn't. Oh, yeah. You know, boats sunk everywhere, but theirs was okay. And he was able to fly you know from the bahamas to chicago and avoid the storm and everything but that's the kind of guy he was you know um if if it was real even though it was terrible if it was real and you did everything you could then hey yeah you know let's move on right so thought you're gonna lose your job that oh uh, for sure yeah yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I just was hoping he. My main concern was that he was okay. Right. And then my second concern was that, you know, where am I gonna find a job? Yeah. Right. Crazy. So that, yeah, that's just a sweet story. And again, we'll get into that where you got from there. But that whole happenstance class, the destiny part of it, uh-huh. all of it's just unreal. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, you. Pfft. It'd probably be a real corny one, but you could almost do a movie about it, just how it, everything, all the different things that had, even moving up here. Right. How it all had, how it all just, I mean, you know, I mentioned how if you, if you really want something, but I also think that luck is involved in a lot of what happens in our lives. Yeah. That we don't have control over certain things. Right. But I do believe that, you know, um, I forget who said it, but um, I find that the harder I work, the more luck I get, mm-hmm. you know, better luck I get. So, um, 
maybe that has something to do with it. So right, right. The uh, and I'm curious if you've seen just through watching other people, not necessarily having to talk about yourself, but through watching other people, you said that some amount of people won't pursue the thing that they're scared to admit that they're excited about because of the finances. But have you seen where other people have had success in the fact that they're so excited about it, it ends up being that they're more successful from a financial level because of that? Like it just manifests itself into bigger and better things beyond the, what the safe and the secure was before that, you think? I think the richest man in the world is there right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you can see his passion. Right. And you, if you do his backstory, you can see where he, you know, he was on the brink of losing it all. Yeah. Right. And he had, he got lucky with financiers, but they must have seen something in him because they gave him that money, and then he's never looked back since. Right. And he was successful prior to that, so. Yeah. And I haven't been paying attention. Elon Musk, is yes. that? Yeah. Right. Okay. He's yeah. currently at that status, richest man in the world. Eh? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Um, so let's get back into the story though. So you graduated Purdue. Mm-hmm. You said you tr- made a trip up here right after graduation or when was, what was that timeline? Well, I graduated in June. Okay. And then I had that thing where I had the summer off. Yeah. And then um, autumn is when I was sort of floundering, so to speak. Um you know, I knew I had to make something of myself, uh, and I knew I wanted to be a meteorologist. Um, <clears throat> but I also felt like, you know, it'd be kind of nice just to have a couple more months off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was, I was, I was paying my way, bartending and stuff. So it's not yeah. like I was freeloading. Um, and uh, but yeah, then in in January, so I graduated and and in. in May or June of 90, yep. and then in January of 91. In fact, a little bit of trivia, but um, the day that my brother and I arrived, or the evening I we arrived, we stayed at the Catalina Motel, flipped on the TV, and literally watched the first Persian Gulf War get started. Right. Just moment i'll never forget as long as i live just because it felt like we were one end of the world watching a war live on the other side of the world right Um, but crazy so but then you made that initial trip and you said i'd love to get back up here but it was nine years later or something i never i never missed a winter coming up okay but then i started adding uh autumn and sort of a late summer and then autumn yeah and then, yeah, I, I went all in in uh, May of 1999. Okay. Then, and when you were coming up, it was more around the snowmobile side of things, or was it mm-hmm. also the weather? Were you pumped on the weather here at that time? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. 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 In fact, I really, um, snowmobile was really secondary. It was okay. the snow. Huh. Um, and probably even the people, uh, first and second. Mm-hmm. And snowmobiling. I when I moved up here, I didn't even own a snowmobile. Yeah, because it made no sense to own one when, when I lived down there. Right. So I bought a used, used one. Um, while I was up here, actually, it came from back down in northern Illinois. Hmm. Uh, but my brother and uncle brought it up when they came up to go snowmobiling with me. Yeah. Uh, once I lived here, and yeah, and yeah. then, yeah, and then snowmobiling became a passion, but still. Nothing like the weather, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So those first nine years, you're working for that brokerage, right? And mm-hmm. doing stuff for they, so they can make hedges, short 
long on different commodities in that market. Yeah, based corn, upon soybeans, that. wheat, primarily. Okay. Yep. Um, did you enjoy that? Was that a, a super fast pace? I'm guessing. But um, also, yeah, uh, it was real super fast paced, super super um, high stress. Okay. But I thrived on that. Okay. And I had such high regard for that man that his name's Dick um, that owned the company that uh, he and a few others were very respectful of me and I could just tell good people in general mm -hmm. that yes, it was very rewarding to help them make money. Okay. Um, Dick unfortunately passed away in 95 and I will have to admit that I lost a little bit of my passion. Okay. He maintained it and just because of his integrity in that world and his... Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Yeah. No, but you know, like somebody you, somebody you look up to, um, in, in your, in your helping them. Right. And I was told by a few how much I was helping them, him yeah, right. make money, like what the difference was before and after me. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't make my, my only thought was that's awesome. Mm -hmm. but this gal was like, well, you got to ask for way more money. Right. Like, no, yeah. no, I, this is what I agreed to get paid and I'm sticking to it. Mm -hmm. He's the one putting on the trades, right? You know? Yeah. Taking the risk. I mean, I'm just day, helping him. He's so it was never in my mind to go and say, Hey, you know, how about a little extra for the bang up job I'm doing? Never. Right. You know, but, and I think he probably knew that and respected me because he really did. Mm -hmm. He would, he would come down hard on a few that deserved it. But with me, he always, he'd have my back. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Cause he, kind of a little side tangent, but you, the, the cliche picture of somebody running that kind of an organization is that they're low integrity is not the right word, but not. Yeah. Well, there's a lot, there is right? unfortunately a, a, a chunk of that in the commodities. Right. And in the in the finance world in general, right? So it's just neat to see. That, that's bad to say. I'm not trying to say anything about the finance industry. Yeah. I'm just saying that it's not the necessarily cliche that you might picture. Right. I mean, you can say that about real estate. I'm a yeah. real estate agent, right? If you I saw mean, this guy walking down the street, <laughs> you'd never know in a million years. Right. He wore casual slacks, casual cotton button-down shirt, and a tie. If mm -hmm. it was summer, it would be short-sleeved. Yeah. So with the the thing I'm thinking of there is that it's if there's a correlation of his success was due to his integrity and doing the right thing versus the reverse. That's just a cool little lesson. Anyways, um but diving into the again your trajectory. So you had the 9 years in the brokerage mm -hmm. and you were transitioning out of that. What was that transition then? Well, I stayed I stayed, you know, not in the brokerage house itself. Okay. Um but I stayed in the industry. Okay. I moved up here and I just, instead of having the one customer, I had um, several brokerage houses and um, a handful of individuals. Hmm. Okay. And then it started to branch out into energies, energy market. And then even, believe it or not, the most unique customer I ever had was Johnsonville 
Yeah, Bratwurst. Right. They had some kind of sales program, and they knew that uh, Sunday tailgating was a huge source of their business. So they wanted to know where the weather was going to be good for tailgating Crazy. Sunday night or Sunday for football games. And um, so I actually worked with them. We created something called the Grilling Index, which took into consideration just, hey, do you want to be out there grilling or do you want to be just showing up and going right into the stadium? Yeah. So uh, every week I would put together numbers for all the home games, uh, NFL home games, and uh, um, send it to them and they would plug that into their sales thing and it worked great yeah. until they changed the software they were using. It didn't need me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. What the heck? Like yeah. it makes total sense. That you say that, but I never but would that's imagine the niches, a million years. That's yeah. the niches that have, that are popping up now. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, if you're a big enough company, if you can get just a slight edge, right. just tweak your upward movement just a little bit, it can equate to a lot of money. Yeah. You right. know, and, and before, here's here's another interesting story. Before I left Chicago, um, the Chicago Tribune had done a story on me. Okay. And, and you know, it was in the business section and everything. Well, like a day later, I get a call from the head of streets and sanitation in Chicago. I mean, the head guy. Mm-hmm. And he... He wants to know if I want to do their forecasting for their snow removal. Hmm. I'm like, holy cow. And I just say, Mom, I, you know, I'm just a one-man show. And I can't, you know, I can't be staying up all hours of the night every time there's a storm and this and that and everything. And he goes, John, with all due respect, the money that we're going to be paying you, you could hire a team. Right. Because he was talking about millions of dollars. Right. And I was like, still, I don't think I want, I don't think I want to be there. Right. You know, I just didn't think that, I didn't think for some reason that didn't seem, and maybe that's all too part of this vision that I had being in, a, in an, an independent guy, mm-hmm. not in charge of anybody else's families, you know, income and um and I just could be a little footloose and fancy free. So when the opportunity came for to maybe maybe move here, um and I'm just speculating. Right. But something I mean, who wants to walk away from money like that? And I turned away other opportunities to make more money than I was making at this company Iowa Grain. Mm-hmm. Um but that was because I didn't want to. I didn't want to leave Dick. Right. Crazy. Then, so you had those opportunities, and whatever else. It feels like it's all. And again, I guess you could paint anything you. You can paint anything a certain way, but it just feels like you had this, whether you knew it or not, like this internal path, like you said about mm-hmm. being independent, getting up here. Although yeah. you didn't know at the time that here was a place you would come. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Did you have thoughts you were getting out and I mean, needed to move somewhere or what? You know, after my first visit, it was definitely in my mind that, but it was still always more about a retirement thing than living here, working here yeah, and everything. But 
I think you're exactly right that, you know, it's cliche, but there are forks in the road of life. Mm -hmm. And you just got to choose the ones, choose wisely. (laughs) (laughs) It's not always, not always easy, but I, I think if you, if you, if you let, maybe 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 give the emotional side a little bit more leeway and not being so analytical um they can work out right i think about those forks all the time cuz I, I mean on every take every single aspect of your life your career relationships right absolutely uh with with, with significant others or friends yep. or anything right yep. these little moments like going to that gathering with your friends versus not going and going here or doing this or whatever else those little moments are the difference between you meeting your wife and hanging out and getting married and living life together versus not or the other guy whatever (laughs) just those little things make such a huge impact and you have no idea at the time that they are that impactful and that when you find the one too right you know i mean my God, I found the right one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm gonna try to keep it together here, but yeah. seriously, you know, I don't. Everybody listening probably doesn't know my like health history, and I'm not gonna get into it. Other yeah. than it's very ugly the last twelve years. Yeah. But she hasn't batted an eye. You know, yeah. it's been very hard. But. Yeah. She's been there through the whole the whole kit and caboodle, right at my side. Yeah. So fits right into the same thing, right? Like yep. all of what we're talking about, forks yep. in the road. Every Absolutely. bit of it. Yeah. 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 No, I just think about that, even tying into your story or my own story or whatever else. It's uh and everyone has their story. But yeah, those little moments. You know what I mean? You easily could have not went and met your wife or Well how how we met. Right. <laughs> Her aunt was living up here. And I get a text. I didn't know the aunt from Holdenwall. She sends me an email. Oh, I've got a niece who I think would be perfect for you. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) Out of the blue. But something told me, look into this one. Yeah. And so I said, well, send me a couple pictures. So I got a couple of pictures. I'm like, she's cute. And decided to call her, and we hit it off. Yeah. She lived downstate, Port Huron, and I think we met like in October over the phone and everything, and it got to be, I had to buy a headset for the phone because my ear would get sore having yeah. the phone up to my ear. <laughs> it was that kind of enjoyable conversation right? every day or night. Yeah, and then she moved up here um, in... May or June of the following year. So for about six months, seven months, we just, I mean, we we met and stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's when she moved up here. And then it's just been, I mean, like any relationship, we've had some dandies. Right. But, you know, you just know that, all right, we'll get through this. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, when you said when you went to Wyoming, that was to fill an adventure, or right? I think that was a big part of it. But do you think about a lot of your life that way? About 
adventures. Uh, yeah, I love adventures. Yeah. That, in fact, one reason why I haven't been as active in snowmobiling is because of my health. Okay. And I like to explore when I'm on a snowmobile, which right. means going off trail. Yeah. And you got to be in pretty good shape to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even with today's technology and the sleds, you can get stuck pretty easy up here. Um, and I never do it alone, but still, I don't want to have my buddies digging me out, you know, four or five times a day. <laughs> Those slits are heavy. Right. Um, and it's no fun. It gets, it gets nerve wracking. It gets, it build. it actually was starting to cause anxiety. Okay. What once caused me or brought me pure pleasure, um, was starting to bring me anxiety because yeah. I was afraid that I couldn't keep up or I was going to get stuck or, um, or just, just plain old pooped out, you know, gasping for breath, trying to, um, you know, and I'm hoping that we can keep improving my health and I can kind of, I mean, age has a thing to do with it too. So I'll never be like I was when I was in my late thirties, but, um, you know, maybe still get out. You know, my daughter likes to explore too. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, adventure exploration has always, even when I was a kid, you know, I'd right. much rather be out in the woods exploring than playing baseball or something like that. And I like to play baseball. I like to play sports, but I just really love that adventure to to explore and find new things. Right, right. Me too. And that's why I asked you, right? But the birth of this podcast is through my passion for mule deer hunting. And with that, and, and hunting up here as well. But with that, I just love the adventure component of it. Mm. And I don't, I think I was like that when I was younger, but I don't know for sure. But either way, I'm like that now where I just love the adventure. But for sure, going back, even post high school, like heading out West or doing these different things. Yeah. I'm so alive when I'm doing these adventures, when I'm out on these hunts or even like a road trip or whatever else. It's just so engaging. Yeah. But I like to, or I try to think that I like look at life the same way. Like you talk about destiny, but also letting if it's destiny that it is, let that, like, enjoy that adventure. Yeah. Right? You don't know what that's going to be. Maybe it's pre-planned, maybe it's not, yeah. whatever it is. But either way, like, I like the adventure of life and adventures for themselves, right? Yeah. I mean, I was adventuresome for as long as I can remember, but I did have an experience in life when I was younger that just totally, you know, shot it to the moon. Okay. Um, I, I became ill. I came down with uh, stage four Hodgkin's disease. Okay which is a type of leukemia. Mm-hmm. And, and when I had it, um, there was no good chance of survival. Hmm. And when you have stage four, they pretty much write you off. I mean, that's, you know, doctors back then, they never told me because they wanted to keep my spirits high. Mm-hmm. But doctors now tell me I had less than a 10% chance of survival. Unreal. So um, during that kind of hit rock bottom, the doctor told me we were switching up treatments first one didn't do anything second one if the second one doesn't do anything you got about six months well i was only in seventh grade Unreal. but it's amazing how adult a seventh grader's mind can become when they know they only have probably six months to live so suddenly you start sorting out all that's important and all that's not right and uh i haven't stopped since if it's BS, it, it, it leaves. Yeah. 
And if it's important, it stays, it gets closer. Crazy. I wonder if that fits you as a student. Yeah. You didn't care about all that other stuff because it was yeah. BS. Yep. Right? Yep. That's when my study habits went totally in the tanker. That yeah. and the fact that I missed a ton of school. Right. I really should have been held back like at least my fifth grade. That's when I was first diagnosed. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Once, once I became sick and went through all of that, it's amazing. Yeah. You can't shake it either. Right. It's crazy. Is that, uh, and we don't have to go, is that super vivid? That me those memories of going oh, yeah. through that as a seventh grader? Yep. I can still picture how the doctors were sitting. Yeah. Where my parents were. Unreal. I think about, man, I was not expecting to get into this stuff. This is ah. crazy. The, uh, I think about when I was 12 or 13, I, I used to, I don't even know how to say it. You know how you can tell when an adult treats you like a, I don't know what the right word is, but a, a, a real person, not just a 12 year old. Yep. Right. Yep. I remember that when I was 12 or 13 or whatever, I said, when I'm older, I will always look at a 12 year old as them, like a real person. You're not just some 12 year old that I need to say the right thing to, to move you along the way. Yeah. Like you're John or whatever. Yep. Right. You know yep. what I mean? And uh, I don't know how that ties into there, but other than to make me realize at 12 years old, you're thinking some pretty complex thoughts. Like you said, you're, you're way more of an adult than what an adult would look at you as you're, yeah. you're still developing, but your mm -hmm. thought processes and how of the amount of depth you can go to is way more than what you might picture. Yep. And that was true for you. Yep. Yep. Because yeah. I was able to literally sort out what, what mattered and what didn't. Right. Crazy. What really mattered, you know? Do you think you, and, and again, I, I don't, I think it's healthy to reassess those, some of those things, but also it can be, non-beneficial but i'm curious do you think that obviously it's it's majorly impacted how you studied how you live life whatever else and you still carry that to this day would you be like what percentage of that way would you still be had you not gone through that experience oh that's hard to say but I, it, it would be significantly less yeah yeah it would be significantly less because I know that not only, you know, was I different when I was sick because I was sick and had lost most of my hair, yeah. was bone thin, probably missed school more than I went, and a lot of kids didn't really even know what was going on, other mm -hmm. than I was some kind of freak. Right. You know, I'd get teased a lot, um, but I still had some really good friends. Um, but I kind of just looked at them like, oh. I don't care. Right. You know, you're not my friend. So whatever you say to me, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, you're, you're that stuff I push aside. Yeah. If you want to be my friend and you want to be kind, then I'm, I'm pulling you in. Right. And you can trust me with your life. Right. But you had to build some resilience on top of overcoming the sickness, right? Yeah. You had to you said you made fun of and teased and whatever mm -hmm. else, right? You had to build some mm -hmm. resilience there. And man, it all fits this. Do you think about this stuff before? I mean, you must have, right? Yeah. Before this conversation, but I'm saying that like that holds true to the rest of your life of how you approach things. But also 
I'm curious about the fact that you had to grow and be resilient like any kids are tough, right? So you were tough. You can look back at yourself and say, man, that was unbelievable. But did that give you the faith and confidence to, I guess I'm tying into meteorology because that's kind of an obscure. It it taught me how to fight. Yeah. Yeah. It taught me how to not give up. Right. In the face of anything. Right. You know, I mean, those chemos were brutal. Right. And the testing would, you know, it was like, it was like medieval torture. Yeah. Compared, and I and I'm not trying to take anything away from cancer treatments now, right? But back then, especially for a kid who's 10, 11, you know, and and yeah, I mean, I I sometimes I had to. <laughs> this is getting into poor me, but like I'd have to take these three-hour treatments that made me sicker than a dog. And I'd be just laying on a stainless steel exam table. Yeah. You know, now I look at it and they got, thank God they changed. But they've got chairs, relaxing chairs, beautiful environment. Mm -hmm. It's still, you know, I am 100% thankful that I don't have to go through it. And I, you know, have all the respect in the world for people that are going through it. Yeah. And have to fight that fight. Right. But yeah, it's a nightmare scenario. Right. Being alone in the hospital for two weeks. I mean, my mom would visit during the day, but then every night I'm just a little kid in the hospital all by myself. Right. You know, now they let parents stay overnight and they have rooms where the parents can practically live there. Yeah. Or Ronald McDonald houses, you know. But that was, you know, but that's what, that's what made me what I am. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not like, oh, woe is me. Right. You know, I know it affected me and I know it still affects me. Right. But that's, that's water under the bridge now. You know, I'm looking forward. Yeah. No, I don't get at all the message that you're trying to say, woe is me. Uh, not even in the slightest. Okay. Uh, to me for one, I'm asking the question. So you're not saying, Hey, Logan, let me tell you about Mm -hmm. this. For one, I'm the one who's probing for them, but it's, uh, I think sometimes, I guess I'm curious to get your perspective on this, myself included. It's hard for you to look at yourself from an outsider perspective or even to, Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Right. You can, you don't know how the rest of the world views you. (laughs) Right. I think it's the same way for everybody, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, for good and bad. Right. For, Yeah. yeah, for better or for worse. Right. But with that, you don't realize, or maybe to me, it's so clear and so evident that these first experiences made a huge impact on the, on your life. Right. Mm-hmm. We talk about forks in the road, right? That was unintentional, unplanned, whatever, yep. however you want to word it, a, a major fork in the road that he made a huge impact. But did you realize that before? I'm, I'm not trying to say like, Hey, did you realize that today? But I'm just saying, it's just crazy that sometimes it's worth having that conversation having an outsider look at it and be like, so self-evident that that experience impacted your life that greatly. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's encouraging when not just me, but others can find positivity from such a brutal experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never really asked, oh, why did this happen to me? Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. No, right. It happened, it's done. 
you know, what what can I take with me that is positive from mm-hmm. it? That's how I've always been about it, you know, that and like, hey, um, you know, like especially right after I had recovered, I was still weak, you know. I was a pretty good athlete beforehand, mm-hmm. and I wanted to get back to being athletic, although I did lose, you know, definitely lost some of my athletic ability um, because of it. But still, you know, it did all right, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, um, like I say, it, it, it taught me how to fight for what's important and just not give up, just not give up. Right. Yeah. It's unbelievable. But, you know, also to accept help. Yeah. When somebody is offering, because I will say, I hit a point in my treatment where it was towards the end of the second one. So I'd been in this chemo crap for almost three years and I was, I had had enough. So I'm alone in the room getting poisoned and I said a prayer. And I said, if I'm supposed to beat this, give me the strength because I don't have it anymore. Yeah. But if I'm not, then just take me. I'm ready to go. You know, I was 11 years old or something. And for some crazy reason, the next whatever rounds of treatments were tolerable. And then maybe two months later, they said I was free of cancer. Unreal. That's powerful. It's crazy. So if you're a praying person, pray. There's power in it. Yeah. That's crazy. You didn't know. Man. I had no idea where I was at as far as my health, whether the cancer was on the run or what. Yeah. All I knew is I had had enough. Hmm. It's unbelievable. I mean, the, Every bit of it, like I said, I don't get one negative feeling from you telling that story. It's it's unreal. Um, it's empowering. It's powerful. It's every bit of it. But it also is a testament, like I said, like how unbelievable that at 11 or 12 years old, picture what you had gone through. Picture a different 11 or 12-year-old and put that on them and you'd say, no way. Oh, God, I can't. Yeah. I held my breath when my daughter turned 10. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it can happen at any age, but as soon as she started fifth grade, I was like, God, that's this is right when it hit. Yeah. Right when it hit me. And I looked at her and I'm like, how could, how, 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 how did I get through it? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, seriously, you're so young. Right. And really, for the most part, innocent, you know, it's just... Wham! <laughs> yeah. Oh, crazy, John. Crazy. The so thanks for telling that story. Sure. Is it? Yeah, just crazy. So to me, it's just so self-evident. I keep saying that, but the, how much that like when you talk when we started this conversation, you were talking about what the type of student you are and this and that, mm-hmm. and, and then eventually you got around to t- talking about that where 
because of that, you learn to prioritize your life. Mm-hmm. Just crazy. Like it, it, it all, I mean, it all fits one big grand theme like this intentional, which it like fits exactly what I'm feeling and shooting for with this podcast. And I'm not trying to say, I'm trying to put this message out there. I'm trying to say, <laughs> I'm trying to have this conversation no. that fits like what I'm feeling inside yeah. and you're the epitome of it. Well, with, thank you. What with, with the passion, but also the living the intentionally, I talk about that a lot is like, mm-hmm. try to eliminate things that are not important and yeah. lean in on the things that are important and have the courage to go out there and yeah. do those things. And you know what? Life is grand. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying I, I don't have rough days or stuff like that, but man, when you, when you set, you set up your priorities, how you want them. And then don't let anybody, you know, change those uh, within reason, obvious. Um, And then you just go for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, I'm, you know, I mean, as, as rough as all that stuff was, I'm living a dream life. Yeah. I'm living where I want to live. Beautiful wife, beautiful daughter. Um, financially secure. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, knock on wood, but how does it get any better? You know what I mean? I mean, if I could have painted my picture. Yeah. You know, this is it. Right, right. And I don't think you have to look back and say, like, thank you for that. But either way, out of that. I'm grateful. You're grateful, yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely grateful. Right. Because I know that it was more than just me. Yeah. You know, it was people on this planet and other forces I have no control over. Right, right. Crazy, crazy. Uh, let's get back into your, again, the trajectory okay. the, the, of, of you coming up here. So you came up here, but you were working remotely. You said the internet allowed yeah, you to do that. the internet was just like, you know, like a, not even a toddler yet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, compared to where it is now, you know, there was no social media yeah websites were even you know probably less than 10 percent of any business had a website so it was brand spanking new Mm -hmm. how long did you work as an independent or like independent right working for many different people or is that right up until i right up until i retired last year okay so the entire time you had uh ebb and flow of different clients that you'd be working for at any given moment yep and some of those radio, right? And yeah, I did, did work. I did when I first, well, not when I very first, but again, like a serendipitous little thing. I, when I first moved up here, I lived in Lake Linden. For those of you who are familiar with Lake Linden, up by the boneyard. In fact, the neighbor right behind me, she was across the street from the boneyard. Sweet little woman, Annie. And we talk, you know, sit at the fence or stand at the fence and chat with each other and, it wasn't long after I moved up and we got to talking about what I did. And, and, uh, she says, Oh, my nephew's on the radio. Hmm. He goes, she says, they should have you do the weather for him. And I'm thinking, Oh, you know, I don't know, (laughs) (laughs) but she says, well, is it okay if I mention it? And I said, well, yeah, sure. So that was Derek Seaver, Dave at dawn. Um, you know, this is going way back in radio now that I realize it 30 years ago, but, um, and I 
did a little spiel, and next thing you know, I'm calling them, or they're calling me, and we've we've got an agreement. Hmm. So I talked to him and Mr. Norm every morning, and then that station ended up getting bought by, um, you know, more of like a uh, a company that mm-hmm. owns several stations, and they already had a service that they used. Um, so they dropped me and went with that service. So, okay. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I don't know, this was just a couple months later that, um, you know, like, uh, CCY, Wimple, uh, those folks, uh, called me, see if I wanted to do for them. So then, uh, yeah. And and I worked with good old Dirk and Mitch for years and years and years until I retired. Right. But that's just one component of, I mean, you at, at any yeah. given moment, you'd have a, a handful of different Yeah, the radio clients. stuff. I mean, you know, the truth is this is not a huge market. Yeah. They don't have deep pockets. Right. So I was never expecting any kind of real money. Right. It was more of, really, this is going to sound corny and like I'm patting myself on the back, but I got a lot of compliments in public when people would realize who I was. Mm-hmm. And... Never, never, never a negative one. Right. That's not to say that there weren't people out there that, you know, could have said something negative. Right. But every single one of them was positive. And some of them genuine, very, you know, like long emails. You helped us this, that, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. Um, that made me feel real good. Right. And that's why I did it. Yeah. You know, now that I'm retired, I could say I probably would have done it for free. But... um you know, it was close to free. <laughs> mm. But no, I can see that. I mean, just to be appreciated for yeah, what your world yeah, is. And, yeah. yeah. Right. And and even the, uh, the you know, the ISD, the school district mm-hmm. hired me for uh, helping them decide right. for school closings. So yeah. in the winter. Yeah. Crazy. I would have never realized. I mean, again, just a world I'm so unfamiliar with. Right? Yeah. But that do are most meteorologists like do they follow the path that you've gone down no. this independent style very rare is it something you recommend is it a uh if you're if you don't like working or you enjoy working for yourself i should okay. say don't like working for others right I, it's not that um i just enjoy working for myself yeah i like being my own boss um not afraid of the insecurity of you know i mean i had to go out and get my own Mm-hmm. insurance and worry about my own retirement and all that kind of fun stuff um you know and and yeah if you're not afraid of those things then yeah i'd say go for it right you know but uh i was working six days a week because the commodities started having sunday night trading so I had to put product together on Sunday. Now, Sunday's work wasn't like the full load mm-hmm. that a Monday through Friday was, but it was still something that had to be done. And since I was a one-man show and my customers had to have this, I never took a really a day. I mean, I might take a day off mm-hmm. in a slow time in the market, but like we made a couple of family trips to Florida. I was working from there. Yeah. So that's the other downside is right. that unless you got somebody to fill in for you, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> You're flipping burgers. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But what about the meteorology field in general? Is there a, is that a positive 
outlook well, that's as what far I, as... Yeah, that's... Yeah. I mean, there are not many um, private meteorologists, is what we're called. Okay. There are private meteorologist firms. Okay. But they're usually, you know, staffed because they're handling things like Chicago streets and sanitation. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the National Weather Service has six personnel on each shift, three shifts that cover the 24-hour period. Hmm. So, um, and, and that's, you know, when you're when you're going around the clock, that's what you need. Right. Um, okay. Unless you're crazy like me and don't mind working four, four in the morning till sometimes six o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, you know... I'm digging ditches that whole time. There's there's downtime and stuff like that, but you know, the, that's the responsible period. That's where you know I had to be available. Mm-hmm. So through that process, hey. But, uh, but I'm curious if somebody else was excited about that whole world. Is that something that's a great avenue or career path right now to get I, into? Not necessarily I, the independent. Yeah, side. I w- I would say that if someone was passionate about the weather and they were not afraid of a lot of math, you know, not that you have to be good at it. You just need to be able to get through it. Mm -hmm. A lot of math and some physics. um, Well, a lot of physics too, I guess Um, that the prospects for you upon graduation are way better than they've ever been. Okay. Yeah. Way better. Um, Because just like I say, all these different companies are hiring private firms or have their own in-house folks to um, help them with their business decisions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but but not usual that people would go down the independent path. You're, you're thankful that you did that. You enjoyed yes. that. Yeah. 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 Very. Because I think it. I think that too was all part of my game plan to be able to be footloose. And um, and be able to change, make changes in my life, you know, without a whole lot of logistics involved. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I moved up here, all I had to do is pack my stuff and come. Right. You know, I didn't have to look for another job. I didn't have to. <laughs> I mean, that's the biggest, the main thing, but it's a huge thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the biggest things, right? Yeah. On top of where do you want to be? Mm-hmm. Um. But also thinking about, I mean, we've talked a lot about life, where it can take you, stuff, what else, but the specifics of the meteorology world, do you remember what it was that gripped you? Again, you were interested in the weather, all that kind of stuff, but was it because you realized it was so, you should just get into it. Well, I think, I think snow was my number one passion in the weather. Okay. I mean, like some guys I graduated, guys and gals I graduated with uh, severe weather, tornadoes, they were nutso. Right. You know, they go and chase the tornadoes and, you know. I don't even have really a desire to chase tornadoes. Never have. Right. Um, others, it was tropical. The hurricanes really ramped them up. But for me, your good old winter mid-latitude cyclone, hmm. winter storm, that's that's what that's what geeks me out, so right. to speak. Um, and actually, more than that now, lake effect. Okay. Because... You know, lake effect is the most challenging element in all of forecasting um, just because it can be so variable and it is so like localized. I mean, tornadoes, 
might be tied with it. Sure. But they're pretty darn good at knowing at least a general area. Like when they put up a tornado watch box mm -hmm. or a severe thunderstorm watch box, they've gotten real good at knowing, you know, I don't know what the statistic is, but the vast majority of tornadoes or severe weather events happen within those watch boxes. Okay. You know, it's, uh, um, you know, the warnings when the thing's actually happening, there's still, you know, not a whole lot of advanced warning for that. Yeah. Um, in fact, sometimes none, unfortunately. But they are even getting better at that. You know, they really are. But that's a lot of resources are being poured into that because lives are at stake. Mm -hmm. You know, lake effect snow, well, you just got to shovel more. Right, right. So that's understandable. But what about... Uh is it a whole separate field, like Lake Superior, the waves and all that kind of stuff? Is it like, I don't know how to phrase that question. That yeah, I mean, you know, they talk about microclimates. Okay. And for sure, um, the areas influenced by Lake Superior right. are all microclimates. And none, and they're not even necessarily the same. Right. I mean, you know, Houghton has its microclimate. Jacobsville, where I'm at, has its microclimate. Mohawk, Calumet have their microclimates, mm -hmm. you know, they're not extremely different, but they're different enough that you could classify them as microclimates. Right. Or I guess what I'm trying to ask the, and again, I feel like this is an elementary question, but the study of like the waves, right? Is that a, a within meteorology? I don't know how that. Oh, is that a field? Yeah. Is that um, a, is it? It's more like a subcategory. Okay. So a meteorologist would potentially dig into what the wave forecast is. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, the National Weather Service produces wave forecasts and they have a marine group okay. um, within their within their um, office there. Sure. That that's what they do. Okay. But is that something you've done? Not really. Uh, okay. No. No. Uh, it was never really anything that, even though I love to boat, um, not really anything that fascinated me that much. Okay. More the snow above and oh, yeah. above everything, eh? and I don't know why. Yeah. I just you know, <laughs> I I I could watch it snow all day. Yeah, I do have to admit, as as I get older, my enthusiasm for especially the cold has dropped. Yeah, um, and the length of the season has dropped a little bit. Yeah, but I'm still more of a snow lover than the average person is sure you know it's just when i moved up here and i think my health issues have something to do with it too but um yeah when i first moved up here i was like you know i was hoping i moved up may 14th i was hoping i'd still see a few flakes of snow yeah <laughs> <laughs> even though i had to cut yeah. the grass when i was first here <laughs> right first day i got <laughs> yeah yeah do you remember the latest day in the year up here that you've seen snow is that something you kept track of um Memorial Day. Okay. Of nine, the first year I lived here. So you've seen it that first year? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Okay. Very wet flakes. And like the Saturday, it was like 89. And by, oh, my, yeah. by Memorial Day, we were having wet, wet flakes mixed in with rain. Yeah. My grandpa, I swear my grandpa would talk about snow on July 4th, but he was probably stretching the truth like uh, any good grandpa would do. I've I've heard that repeated enough that I think there's got to be some kind of validity to it somewhere. Okay. Um, I haven't found any proof, but believe it or not, snowfall is not on high 
unlike the National Weather Service's priority as far as keeping records. Sure, yeah. Especially going way back. Even now, it's sadly not that important, you know, because it melts. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, I think people are just not, you know, it doesn't really cause property damage or property loss or it, it can cause loss of life with an accident or something like that. But for the most part, it's pretty innocent. Mm -hmm. So they concentrate on the things. I mean, it's under the Department of Commerce. So right. it's really kind of about the money. Yeah. But then that does have a huge impact around here, right? The snowfall we have. The, yeah. On the... Absolutely. On the, yeah, the on the local economy is yep. hugely impacted by the snow. Yep. I've seen on... I was checking it out. You've got a, a YouTube channel, mm -hmm. right? What, what is it called? The... John D's Snow Church. Snow Church, right? How, how did that <laughs> idea get started? Um, it just came about by, um, you know, wanting to be able to say more. You know, I've got the website right. where I've got the forecast text, like a write-up um, and graphics. But you can only do say so much with mm -hmm. that, you know? Right. And at least with limited time. Um, in, in, so I wanted to be able to expound on it. And, uh, so I thought, well, I'll just start recording little videos that I thought were only going to be about five to 10 minutes long, but mm -hmm. now it's like, I almost can't keep them under 20. Hmm. I mean, I really, I try as hard as I can and it's amazing how fast time goes. But at any rate, yeah, it's just about, um, you know, the, it's, it's, it's sort of like a, a deeper diving into the daily forecast. Mm -hmm. You know, not by daily forecast, I mean, not just for that day, but like what I'm talking about that day. It could be a, going out a week yeah, or right. more, but um, yeah. Yeah. Has that been enjoyable? How long have you, yeah. how long have you done that for? Um, I just started that this season, like about November-ish, I think. Oh, just recently? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the enjoyable from a getting a message out there standpoint, or you enjoy that more of a long form? It's fun setting. Okay. Yeah, it's fun. There's interaction. People make comments, and I, I, um, I'm, I'm pretty. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not low key, because that would be definitely under exaggerating. I, I always wear a hockey jersey. Mm -hmm. I say goofy things. Right. You know. Everything I say about the weather is real. Right. But it's sort of a very relaxed, informal environment, mm -hmm. you know. So I, I wanted to kind of go the opposite direction that mainstream media. Right. And I understand. I'm not faulting mainstream media. They've got to do what they got to do, yeah. you know. But, yeah. Um, and it may, it may shy some people off thinking, oh, look at this clown. What right. does he know? Right. And fine. If you don't if you don't want to watch the first three minutes and see that it's really the real deal, mm -hmm. then okay. Right. Right. But I'm curious about that long form because that's what this is, right? It's more of a relaxed th yes. this podcast and right, just a chat, whatever else. Yep. But I feel like are you <sighs> two questions. Are you looking for the same thing there that maybe I'm looking for here is just again more of a long form thing. But secondly, would you ever enjoy doing this? Like this kind of a setting, having one on one style conversations like this? I do have plans to um I don't know if it's a, gonna be a sit down podcast style. Okay. But to interview different players, you know, uh like in the weather and the snow and up here. Right. 
Um, you know, just stuff that people might be interested in learning a little bit more about. I yeah. don't know. I've had some thoughts and uh time's a big thing, you know. Yeah. You you know how you know, you wouldn't think it takes long to set these things up and right. do them and edit them. I do hardly any editing. I was hoping to do a lot more editing with mine, but now it's pretty much just Mhm. <laughs> Yeah. No. So it takes time, right? But a lot less than what one might think. Meaning after you and I chat, I'll have this edited in 10 minutes. It'll be live on the website. I don't have to touch it again. Mm -hmm. um, so outside of the actual act of doing it doesn't take that much time. Yeah. Unless you are doing a lot of editing for whatever you're... Well, I think editing, at. I was hoping to do like some special effects and oh, sure. try to get out maybe and do more live shots and blend them in and stuff like that. Okay. I think that's what I meant more by the, like a production sure. standpoint, right. but yeah. Okay. So you have been thinking about doing something like that. I right? have, but like I say, it's by the time I finish the website in the, in the, um youtube thing um it's like noon right and i'm retired <laughs> and i've been working since like 7 30 or 8 so i'm like you know what right this is enough yeah. <laughs> i hate to say it but yeah so you're doing the snow church on the youtube but on youtube but you said just now you said the website you're saying you're still putting out daily yeah stuff on your website your time yep. okay yep for the snow yep and just for uh, the fun of it, the enjoyment of it. Oh no, it's monetized. There's ads. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Huh. No, I just wonder. Like this for me is so rewarding. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that may not be the right word, but I'm just saying it's so enjoyable just no, to sit down it. and yep. let's shut our phones off. You and I chat, yeah. and, and for me to even be like, "Hey, John, let's go out to eat. I want to ask you about your." your life and how you got to this point one that be, might be weird uh <laughs> but two we're just never going to get to the same place in that kind of a setting but here where you're being super intentional being like let's talk about how you got yeah. to where you are today yeah. to me it, it's just off the charts enjoyable so <laughs> what i guess what i'm trying to say is that if you had the same thing then you could just pursue that and maybe it's not a time suck because you're just that into it i'm not sure i don't know if you have yeah anything, but, well and yeah. i don't know I think that you're, first of all, I think this is a great idea. I think this is awesome. Yeah. Um, and I've watched a, a few when I kind of learned about it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have the resources, you know, like the the the, the, peop, the amount of people. Sure. Like, yeah. you know, you, you almost can go to anybody right. as long as yeah. they're going to be inspiring and or hopefully inspiring. Right. Whereas for me, I you know, the weather, where yeah. do I? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and then people have different, I mean, if you're thinking about a podcast specifically, people have different upload rates. You can do one a month, uh, yeah. something like that. No, you're right. Yep. Um, but yeah, I just, part of me, I've mentioned it to a few people because it's so, I have so much fun with it. Mm -hmm. It's like I want to watch somebody else recreate yeah. it so I can just. When I do yeah. listen to the more like, for a while I was religious with Rogan. Yeah. Um, But I don't know why I've. I haven't listened to him in a long time, but yeah. um, he just seemed to be a, a great interviewer, mm -hmm. um, as you are too. Um, but he seemed—I don't know—it just—it was like a—it was sort of like a refreshing switch from so much of what's out there. Right. Um, and uh, listened to a few others, but they're more on the comedic side mm -hmm. than you know than any kind of deep thinking. Sure. Uh, type stuff 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, you know, podcasts are going to continue to just go, right. um, you know, expand because people can find whatever, whatever they want to listen to, you know, and, mm -hmm. and most of them are, uh, enjoyable, you know, if that's your topic, then you delve into them and you, right. you're on them. Yeah. And we can, we can save the chat for another time too. But I was just thinking that if you're at the point where, and it sounds like you're already busy, you already are working seven thirty to 12, whatever yeah. else, but if you are retired and you could dive into something like that, just for the sake of enjoyment, again, that could be a neat yeah. path to go down. You know, and I never, that's the other thing is I never say never right, to anything. Okay. Um, you know, it's sort of like, a. And, and that can, you know, sometimes I will admit that sometimes I've made, I've hit that crossroads and I've made a wrong turn. Mm -hmm. So either I had to circle back or, or find a way to get to the right path. Right. So it's not like every choice you're going to make in life is the right one. Right. Um, just, just keep your options open, you know? Um, and that's kind of where I'm at maybe with the podcasting is right now it doesn't f seem like a, a, a good fit, Sure, but uh, you know, who knows? Maybe even by the time next winter rolls around, I will have let it stew in my head enough that I go, you know what? Logan's right. I should give it a whirl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, especially something like you've been through enough experiences. You, I mean, obviously your story is just unbelievable, but also the meteorology world. Mm -hmm. You have a very unique perspective that very few people have, and you could tie that into any conversation you wanted to. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But you... I want to close out unless you have anything else you want to talk about, but close out with the, the fork in the road thing. At one point you had said, let, do you say let emotion do more of the thinking than the more than most people, most okay. people, you know, when it comes to a really big decision, they'll, they'll emotions are out the door. Sure. Cause they think that that's, then they're not using their brain. Sure. Right. And when I say emotions, I guess I'm including, you know, things like intuition. Sure. Yeah. And guts. Right. Gut feeling, you know, listen to your gut. My wife has taught me that. And um I mean more. I I I did I did know, you know, about listening to my gut mm -hmm. and I have through a lot of choices, but um she's enhanced that. Mhm. Mm and that is some, that's a technique you can, you know, work on too. Right. Um, but yeah, there's, I would say that analytical is probably still primary in a big decision. Okay. But it's not everything. Right. Right. No, cause I, I thinking about that, I'm a real estate agent and I am involved with some very highly emotional moments mm -hmm. and I, I found benefit in removing some of that emotion in this, in this situation, like mm -hmm. this very yeah. tense negotiation about real estate, right? Yeah. Like, what are we actually fighting for? Are we proving a point or right. is there something exactly. beneficial here, right? Yep, I know exactly so what you're talking in, about. In that moment, I think there's benefit in that, but I, I'm thinking more along your lines of like big picture life choices of don't let a, don't maybe don't make a choice in the middle of a distraught emotional moment, Yeah. but more so if you're feeling strongly on a gut level or an emotional level of a, or a passion level of lean into that rather than yeah. only do the smart and safe thing. Potentially. Yeah. 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 Like 
maybe in that situation, you know, close, literally close your eyes, envision yourself 10 years from now. Are you going to be happy in that home? Yeah. Well then what's a couple of grand? Right. Really? Sure. You know, you can't take it with you. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, And I'm not saying to be foolish with your money, Mm -hmm. but sometimes I think people, like you said, egos get involved and, Mm -hmm. you know, well, I'm not, I'm not going to let them get it for that. Right. Or I'm not paying that much. Yeah. You know, they can't, they can't take advantage of me like that. Well, who cares? Right. Who cares? If they think they got advantage of me, fine. Right. Fine. If it still fits the end goal yeah. of what yep. you're, yep, looking you're gonna be for, happy right? in yeah. ten. If you're gonna be happy in ten years, you know, you're, if you're gonna be happy now, you can set that whole, oh, they won thing mm-hmm. aside now, and be even better shape ten years from now than you won. Right, right, yeah. No, again, we went a few different areas, and and sometimes I don't necessarily focus enough on. Maybe that's not the right way to look at it. Sometimes I wonder if I don't focus enough on the act of doing, but to me, the power is in the the human side of it, the mm-hmm. life side of it, which we yeah. got into. So I really appreciate you being willing to share all that. Well, I appreciate you having me here and giving me the opportunity. Yeah. It's been fun. Right. Thanks, John. Yeah, Thanks for having welcome. on. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have and you feel so inclined, share this podcast with your friends, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and give us some feedback with a review. Until next time, thank you.